Hello, everybody. It is a brand new week, which of course means a brand new episode of the cast. Mike was away this week at some conferences, which means I had to record this podcast solo. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You think we'd let a thing like distance get in the way of recording the cast? Of course not. It's the year 2019, and Mike was able to call me on Slack. And we were able to record an episode of the cast as per usual. I just want to remind everyone that the views expressed on the cast are those of the people expressing them and may not necessarily reflect the views of our church. With that said, please enjoy the show. Mike, tell us where you are right now. Currently, I'm up in uh, Barrie, Aurelia technically, at a, a, a conference put on by the AGC, um, learning about, well, today we learned about rest and Sabbath, actually, and just how to take that as pastors, which is always a challenge, obviously, in an overworked, quite busy society. So that was yeah. good, a, a good reminder. That's awesome. Did you? So, are you leading any sessions there at this conference? Nope, just attending it, just being part of it. Um, just it's being fed. Yeah, it's the uh, denomination that our church was formerly a part of, and uh, I helped put on some of the conference ideas and stuff. So, just trying to honor and, and end well as we're transitioning uh, to make sure that I'm still there and supporting and getting behind with what's going on. So, it's been good so far. Good connections. Always seeing some 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 of the guys. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, so just like speaking of rest and Sabbath, like for you, what has been your practice as part of that? Like just as a pastor, I know you have a specific day you take off. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Um, well, the theology of rest <laughs> and Sabbath is, you know, work hard for six days and, and quit for a seventh, uh, which is hard to do in the modern world, if we're going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also means you know, kind of like learning how to steward your energy and your time appropriately for the calling that God's put in your life, the situation you're in. And and so because typically, obviously, pastors kind of work on a Sunday and, you know, we were up early and stay late and I'm working in the afternoon, even on Sundays, uh, Monday becomes our kind of day off. Because uh, even Saturdays, like I'm sermon prepping usually twice on Saturdays if I can. And so, so Monday, it's kind of like the goal is, you know, no church work, no church talk if we can, um, family, rest, read, recover. Do you check Slack? Um, I don't go on it. If I do have like, sometimes I'll have my notifications on, um, if I know there's maybe potentially something urgent going on. Um, right, right. and the, the issue is because the world doesn't work necessarily, you know, on that schedule. Um, there's mm-hmm. been a couple of times where like the school board, cause we rent uh, a school for like for church, um, sends pretty important emails on Mondays that like every so often I'll just go check it. Uh, and I'm glad I did cause we had a situation this past week actually where 
um, you know, they needed a quick response. Um, but generally, um, avoiding all that work if we can. Um, and it's mainly about putting the phone away. And like, I'm not perfect at it, obviously. Uh, but the goal for us, right, in rest is not simply to stop doing work, but to engage other parts of us, engage other aspects of our life, usually around family and, um, you know, things that bring us joy, food, you know, hanging out. Uh, on, and during the summer, my wife and I and the kids, we try to go for lots of walks and just chilling in the park, things like that. Um, it's not, you know, elaborate. It's just simple and just rest and not doing church work. So, yeah. Yeah, I think if it uh, feels too much like your ordinary day, like then it's not really, really rest. Like I, yeah, I try to actually just make time for things personally that I wouldn't do if this was like, you know, a Wednesday or like Wednesday evening or something like that. Um, you know, sometimes I will, I don't know how you'd feel about this, but like I'll let myself just like play video games for a couple hours, <laughs> like on, on yeah, my yeah. Sabbath, which tends to be Saturday. That's usually the day I try to reserve for um, just uh, resting, taking it easy. Um, ironic. I mean, I edit the cast on Saturday, so it's maybe, maybe I am working on the Sabbath a little bit, but I also find that pretty fun and relaxing honestly so yeah like i think there's part of it where sabbath is you know it's kind of jesus says it's made for us right so it's a benefit to us it's a good thing to us and so being able to do things that bring us joy you know and engage different parts of our brain is a good thing so for you if that's video games like this thing if you're playing video games and it's you know one day a week where you kind of get lost in it fine it's one day a week right if it's like every day then you're sabbathing way too much, right? Uh, yeah. But I think the point of it, right, is enjoyment. It is joy. It's escape. Like, it, like, what's the difference between that and someone like reading a fantasy novel for a couple of hours? Like, I know people say reading's better for your brain. Sure it is, but you know, with the game, you're problem solving, your teamwork developing. So there's other benefits to it, right? Yeah. Um, there are. Yeah. I think it's just more. It's, it's capturing the heart of, you know, I've stewarded my time, and I'm going to follow the pattern of Jesus and stop my work and that's where i think then it's like what's the definition of work and i get we can get into the nuance of that but it's just my normal course of life the things that i have been given my life to to provide to have responsibility in on the everyday kind of Mm -hmm. nine to five that we do now and then that one day taking it off stopping resting remembering a big part of rest always has to be that we do center back onto jesus like as christians it's kind of a pretty central part of it that we not just stop our work, but we refocus our soul, right? And I think yeah. that's a little bit more difficult. I think it's easy just to rest and then like, you know, you get kind of lost in, lost in the like, not doing nothing, but the but the not doing the normal. And I find that actually mm-hmm. it's harder to sometimes do devotions or spend time with Jesus on my rest day because I'm out of the pattern yeah. of it. Um, yeah. But that's kind of part of it is that we reconnect with our families, we reconnect with joy we reconnect with jesus in a different and in, in, in good way and um so yeah like if it's a video game i'm not gonna tell you don't do that I, you might argue that there's, <laughs> i try to read too right, but read. I, I, for me i think i would much rather well i, I don't know because sometimes i'll watch netflix yeah right and, but i usually try that's to the thing i actually rarely watch movies or netflix at, like period it's very rare for me but hey well that's good i'll try to watch like a maybe a documentary but 
it's usually about food if I do that. So then I just want to cook, <laughs> and then I'll end up cooking. So um, my, my my kind of mindset with it is like, um, you know, if it's if it's something I'm gonna dread doing, it probably doesn't belong on my Sabbath. And I mean, like, I don't know. That's like a very simplistic way of looking at it, maybe. But like, I try not to even do like, you know, professional things that like you know, could help me advance my career that are outside of the workplace. Things like putting together portfolio and like resume writing and tweaking all that stuff. Like I try not to use my Sabbath for that stuff either. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's kind of the both wise and the point, right? Cause that's like a six yeah. day of your work, uh, kind, kind of activity. I do think though yeah. that there is a tension there of like, you know, doing things that are still difficult in the sense of engaging different parts of you, right? Because, hmm. you know, I remember hearing uh, a pastor, Tim Keller, talk about this, where uh, in New York, where he was pastoring, right, like taking a day off doesn't exist for a lot of people. Um, and so his challenge for people was, hey, if you can just take, you know, a half a day or whatever, and then it'd be like, well, how do I rest well? Do I just, because these people are so go, 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 that even the concept of, like not doing anything just doesn't exist in their world. So that might be a discipline for them. But he did make an interesting point where, you know, he, he talked about how on the Sabbath, it's also a part of, you know, engaging the full person. And so like if you're used to using your mind, say, all week, um, it would be good to use your hands and do something, build something, garden, which is still difficult, yeah. right? Like I don't like doing it, but it, it, it engages a different part of the human that I am. Yeah, and, I can see that. And so I think there is like, there's almost like a tension there that's like, because my, my work is so mind and so relational that, you know, being kind of focused on a, like a, a simple task or just a hands-on activity, um, might actually be good, uh, to help those parts of me that are worked all the time rest. Right. And so there's mm-hmm. this kind of, mm-hmm. that's the thing is that is, is when Jesus said the Sabbath is for us, right? Like we really recognize there is, a widening of application, right? The principle of rest no, doesn't change. I believe it's even a, I would argue it's actually a moral issue even in the New Testament in the sense of the pattern that mm-hmm. Jesus started or God started yeah. in creation, right? And, and that like to not have Sabbath as a Christian is to deny that God is provisional, that God is trustworthy, yeah. right? That, that God's in control of my work or that I'm not stewarding my time well enough that I can't take time. Cause that's the thing. Like busyness is not a virtue for the Christian. No. So right? I, my question there is like, what are, what jobs are these people doing in New York city that they're working seven days a week? Well, a lot of it like is you're working, you know, if say you're an actor, you're right. You're working two jobs or if you're trying to be a lawyer and climb up into the, you know, the company, like it's the expectation yeah. you're working 70 hours a week, if not more. Right. And like, and it's kind of the industry, wow. right? And even yeah. for pastoring, right? Like it's very easy to – like I remember, you know, hearing some like early church podcasts when I, when we were starting and like guys almost bragging that they're working 80 hours a week. And like that's not good. Like, that, that, that isn't that, good. That, that's not no. a, a, a sustainable pattern of life. And, and most of them after, you know, five, ten years, like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. But like in the moment you think I got to grind, I got to do these things. And it's like, yeah, you may have, you know – grew a church fast or something but did you miss out on you know a kid right like because like yeah. i've been actually thinking about this and and i might it might come up in a sermon in a couple of weeks at our church but like you know our calling 
is is so multifaceted but you know we at the same time are replaceable and irreplaceable in certain things meaning this that like you know as a pastor i've said this to the church that i'm i'm replaceable right like like you can find another mm-hmm. preacher you can find another pastor right that that if i don't steward my my body my heart my mind well you guys can go find someone else to do that but no one can be olivia's dad except for me like that is the only person i'm the only person who can fill that role right there's other people who can maybe yeah. father her but like i am her dad i'm the only guy same same with weston right no one else is going to be in that position no one else you know um is going to be able to be mike to them and if i'm burning myself out if i'm busy 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 if i'm not giving them any part of my heart right like Sure, the church can grow, but I've abandoned something that only I could be for something that anyone could be, right? And yeah, just yeah. having that, that tension holding my heart too. And so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, we as a church have tried to do that really well, um, just like behind the scenes. Obviously, not everyone in the church knows, you know, my work schedule or some of our team dynamics and whatnot. But like, we try to be really sensitive to the the idea of rest and the idea of like gift based ministry and serving from those places and understanding that like our calling, you know, is to give everything we are to the mission of Jesus, you know, and recognize that, but always heed his patterns, right. Of sustainability, of rest, of simplicity, frugality, those disciplines we talk about all the time and how those actually feed life into us. And Mm -hmm. like part of my mission in life is to make my kids about his mission too. And like, if I'm not there to be that dad, then I'm failing there too. And so it's just kind of seeing the holistic definition of life. Um, and rest has to be part of that. And, you know, just recognizing, Hey, like God is in control of our church. God is in control of my family. Uh, but there's only a certain amount. There's only a few roles that like no one else can do. And yes. if I'm going to major, in some role, I have to major in the ones that only I can do. And part of that obviously role we know is to provide for my family and to do the work of the church as that's kind of my vocation and calling. And those, those aren't separate. Like ministry for me is like, it's a life. It's not like the job shuts off like some jobs. So maybe it's a little bit both easier and more difficult, right? There's, there's tensions on both sides of that. Uh, but at the end of the day, like it's just a humbling thought to know that, I'm replaceable, and if I don't steward my life well, God will raise somebody else up, but he'll never be able to raise up another biological father of my kids. And, yeah. and so just having to sit in that a little bit, and that's always a tough reminder because, man, I was talking to a couple other even um, you know, dads today and how like when it comes like to kids, right, you don't see the fruit of your labor for years, right? Because like, kids grow and change and then the, the lessons you're teaching them now, like they, they sort of manifest later on. Where with pastoring, right, you can have really good meeting. You can have, preach a good sermon. And there's this draw of like immediate gratification, right? Um, yeah. And so yeah. it's easier to be tempted into that kind of space of, well, you know, at church, they tell me I did a good job. At church, yeah. I can kill this meeting. But at home, right, it's, 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 it's truly the long game, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and the same is true of church, but it doesn't always feel like that. So there's this like temptation to put work 
into things that are replaceable versus the places I'm irreplaceable in. And, and I think that's, I think that's a good mem like memory uh, reminder of Sabbath is like, man, if you're not stewarding your life well, you know, there are places that you will burn to the ground. Um, yes, God can bring redemption, to everything, of course, hundred percent, not saying you can't, but you know, when it comes to the church, it's like, Mike, if you screw up, right? Like you, like the pressure is that, you know, I blow a ministry and, you know, I may even hurt the mission of Jesus probably, you know, I'm going to hurt yeah, people. Yeah, there's a lot riding on that. Right? But if I mess up at home, like you lose a wife, you lose a kid, you know, you, you destroy a relationship that – and that's that has to be more valuable to me. And so even the driving force of, yes, there's this weight of mission. There's this weight of, you know, people knowing Jesus um, outside of my home. That matters because the thing – if I'm not in church, I'm still on mission. I still have to be an evangelist. I still have to be telling people about Jesus. But in that organized sense – right? That weighs on you. Plus now you have the home that should weigh on you, right? It's like, if you don't figure your rest out, like so much is at stake. So much is at stake. Yeah. And yeah, it just seems to me, oh, sorry, go, yeah, ahead. go, go ahead. I was just going to say that, like, it seems to me that if you, like, if you're working eight hours a week or like, if you're working so much and, you know, even if you're rationalizing it, like this is for the kingdom, Work is an idol for you very much. Like you are drawing, like you said, like that immediate gratification from the direct output of your work, but you're not really making space in your life to depend on God in that point. Well, and, and when it comes into the church, yeah, like I find that, you know, in the modern church, and I'm like, again, this is in all humility, right? Like, I've not figured this thing out. Like I'm, I'm, it, there's still a tension. And so, but you know, again, I've been reading a lot of church history lately and there, there's always this tension between like the clergy and like the monks, right. And yeah. the bishops who like a lot of the monks thought, you know, gave into the empire and blah, blah, blah. And the monks who are separate from society. And I don't think, you know, traditional monastic life is good for the mission of God. hundred percent. But what I, what I remember what I've been kind of like gleaming a little bit is that, you know, the way upon which the pattern of our life needs to kind of be countercultural in some senses. And I find that like rest in work is one of those places where I think the church could actually lead in the, in the sense yeah. of like, yeah, like pastors, like we are shepherds of people, we are leaders in God's church. So like we should set the tone. And if, our life is as nuts and fren frenetic and busy, right, as culture, as the marketplace. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a good thing. I don't think we're setting a tone, a proper tone for just the pattern of life. And again, it's not like I'm not saying we go be monks, but the idea of just having a different value set. And, and I feel like if we've allowed that that drive and ambition to eclipse the rhythm of rest, even in the church, like that is not healthy. And like, it's no, weird, yeah. not weird. Like I understand it, but it's, it's just, it's an interesting thing to see that like in the modern church, you know, and it's made in part of its awareness and I understand that, but like 
from the volunteers up to pastors, right? The amount of burnout and like pastors and moral failure and like stress and anxiety, like it's just so high that like clearly we're not doing something right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's, it's just nuts, right? Like, and we just got to think about that. Like, like what, what are, what can the church do, you know, to cultivate a more sustainable, you know, rhythm of church life, rhythm of expectation, because at the end of the day, it's still the mission. I still think it's the best thing to give our hours to, right? Mm-hmm. To the local church. Like that's the only institution the Holy Spirit started, right? Is is the church. Yeah, yeah. And it's the greatest thing to be alive for. Like we're gonna talk about if you listen to this live, the sermon you're gonna hear next week um, is all about the mission of God and how Paul in jail is just like it's all for Jesus anyway, and it's it's who we are. Like it's just all for Jesus. Even our families are for the glory of God. And so seeing that, it's so like it's like we should give our best hours, I believe, to the church. We should give our best energy, but not all, mm-hmm. not every yeah. waking breath, because then that means that the only time I'm on mission is when I'm serving church. Well, that's not true. It's, it's, it's a prominent and very large part of how we organize as Christians. But like in the coffee shop, at home with my kids, devotions with the family, praying over my wife, right? Like enjoying the creation of God. Like these are all parts of the greater redemptive story. And, and I have to maybe even begin seeing my life in its totality and not compartmentalize it so much uh, and allow, you know, that, that, that rhythm. I keep saying the rhythm works. I think it's just a beautiful capturing that there's a rhythm of life that we need to find and, and like a pattern of discipline. And I, and I think it is a discipline, right? Like I really do think it's, it's disciplining my time, my effort, my money, everything to sustain a pattern that God set out from the beginning, right? That we work real hard and then we rest really well. And yeah. And if we're not going to like, it's funny because I think when you think about it, it actually begins to shape your whole life, right? Because now I'm not just thinking about like, what will my rest day be? I'm having to think about how will I, how will I structure my whole life to include that thing? Right? Like, am I doing enough, um, in those six days to, to really give me the space for the seventh? Am I, am I delegating enough things or am I controlling too much? Am I investing other people? Am I working hard enough at work? Am I using those 40 hours actually to be efficient and effective? Or am I like, you know, kind of, you know, being a little bit lazy. So I have to work on the seventh. like just all those different questions of stewardship actually come to bear in this. And so it's a really bigger conversation on our character on, on the way, on the seriousness of our calling. Cause at the end of the day, like, you know, as a pastor, my vocation becomes the church, right? So someone like you, who is not vocational part of the church, but you're kind of by volunteer vocational, you you work pretty hard at church stuff, right? Like you're mm-hmm. going to work for 40 hours and then, you know, given, you know, depending on the week, sometimes maybe even 15 hours into church stuff, right? Yeah. And you're still a really good friend and you're a really good son. You go home a lot, right? You lead a connect group. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, you have, you've had to manage your life and it's possible. Yeah. And I've seen you do it really well. But if you were just kind of going by the whim, there's no way you yeah. could do what you do. Right. 
Like, like you are yeah. an example, yeah. I think, of this discipline and, and recognizing that like if we really want to take seriously the call of our vocation, the call of our mission in the church, because again, all life is mission, but the mission of the church, like we actually have got to think a little bit deeply about where we're investing, how we're investing, hmm. like our money. I right? appreciate you saying all that, Mike. Oh, no, but you are, right? And, and you know, we've said this from the beginning of, you know, kind of like our new structure of leadership that, that Sam's kind of like the guy. Right. Who is he's like he sacrifices so much and he's one of our best leaders. And it's not because he's this, you know, big, charismatic, you know, flamboyant <laughs> person. It's because you're just uh, right. You're disciplined and you're consistent yeah. and you're sacrificial. And, you know, like you do what you got to do for the mission of Jesus right through C3 KW. And like we couldn't do it and we wouldn't want to do it if if you were like. I have nothing left. Right. And because the goal is not to see people, you know, flourish for a season, but flourish for life. Well, yeah. And I think too, like, I have to look at, you know, what the church has given me too, just in, in regards to like my involvement with it. Like I want that for other people. Like I hope that the life that I live is sustainable and repeatable for other people. Like I, I would love it if, other people could, you know, in addition to whatever their jobs are, you know, come and give a lot of time to the church and find joy in that and, you know, really see this thing grow and, and develop. I think it is the most joy-filled I've been. So, yeah, I hope that that is a pattern that other people can adopt for their own lives as well. Yeah, and that's why like, people like you, all right, I know this is going to be all like a gushy Sam session, but like, People mm. like you are so needed, right? Because people look at like me and they're like, well, of course you get paid. And it's true, right? Like I get paid to do church, right? But you don't, right? Mm. Megan doesn't, you know, Ivan doesn't, right? People like this who just sacrifice and serve because at the end of the day, right? Like we, like you said, you get joy out of it. So it's like, it, it fills you and it like, it is a discipline of our of our faith, right? To serve mm-hmm. people through the local church. So it actually forces our character growth, right? It's about the mission. So people meeting Jesus and having encounters with him and growing, discipling like teams. And you have a team who you need to care for. And so you get to learn how to like pastor people. And like, so like there's so much that pours back in. But I think if we, if we aren't careful as churches, right? Like it's so easy to, chew people up because the mission is so great that we forget that we are limited. We are not, you know, we need to be stewards, not just, um, you know, just givers of everything. We're stewards of everything. And so, you know, you've done that so well. We're even times where I know you've had to just take a break and say, I need to go away and, and, you know, go back home or, you know, you booked a couple of trips and just, I need to, you know, spend some time. And I think that's beautiful because like you, I'd rather have you, right, at, you know, five years from now, still loving it, Mm, right, because you've been able to feel the pressure um, release from, from like, you know, the demands of everything through Sabbath properly than to have you for, like, a year, and we've done amazing things in that year, but yeah. like at the end of it, and I, so, you chewed up and spit out. Right. Yeah. And it, it's tough, right? It is a tough thing because the mission of God is so important. Um, but I think that's like the long game for, for us as a church. And this is something that like, we're even processing the church. So, like, we're not like figure this thing out. We're trying to, we yeah. are trying to figure it out. Like, how do we 
truly structure for that idea, right? Of yeah, you know, and I think like a, a thing Sam Pickin actually said to us um, back in December, I believe it was when we when we met with them, was um, like anytime you have a volunteer, anytime someone's you know working f- you know for the church, and uh, and you're kind of you're the one that they're sort of answering to. Like you got to focus on their soul mm-hmm. first and foremost and, and just like, yeah, the health of that person. Yeah. Well, cause like we say it all the time, right? You, you live from the health of your soul. And so like, if we're going to preach that, talk about it, but mm-hmm. then lead a counter into counter to that, why would we do that? Right. That's like, yeah. it's, it's hypocritical number one. And so, yeah, like, we like we, we we've said that leadership development for us is is less about scale and more about character, right? Like mm-hmm. I know it sounds so like cliche, but like legitimately saying though, like if we pastor good people, you know, yeah. to make them more like Jesus, to have the character and the fruit of the spirit, to live in the disciplines of our faith and to be with Jesus a lot, like yeah, then we can teach them all the skills of leadership which mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure out. <laughs> so yeah. it gives me a little more time. I mean, yeah. Right? I'm still trying to figure out even just, yeah, like running this, this whole thing of like running a team, for example, just like, uh, you know, how do I, how do I assure people that their, you know, th- the health of their soul is my biggest priority. And, you know, like we just had our communications team meeting actually this past week. And, it, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about business, but I do really try to make it clear to them that like, um, you know, you burning out is like the absolute last thing we want, um, you know, and just kind of trying to keep open lines of communication if things aren't going well, if people are really busy, feeling people are really feeling like burnt out like that is we want to prevent that. Um, yeah, it's something I'm learning, too. I think like the connect group, it's been a bit easier to to kind of see into people's lives a bit. Yep. Just given to the nature of the discussion, but which is yeah. why, like, it's not just serving, right? It's got to be in the connect groups. There's got to be like that's why, because and that's where people don't get it. I think a lot is like when when like churches talk about serving and connect groups, like it's it's actually it's not because we want from people, we want for people, right? We want mm. for them to find community, we want for them to find pastoring, find discipline, find these things, right? And these are just ways that God has blessed the human being to find some of these things, right? And and it's mm-hmm. so totally like, to be pastored and to be loved and to be, you know, shepherded, like you got to put yourself in those places, right? Yeah. And sometimes the best shepherding comes in serving. Sometimes the best shepherding comes in connect group, right? Sometimes the best shepherding is a prayer time at, at all in. Like it just, it's yeah. putting your, it's putting yourself intentionally in places where that growth, actually, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I actually want to share something too that uh, our Connect group has been kind of committed to this past week. Um, so Will put f- this forth. Will leads uh, the Thursday Connect group with me, and uh, he said, "Hey, like this week, I want us to all keep each other accountable to doing a spiritual discipline." And he just asked for suggestions, and I kind of threw out, "Hey, like let's try to do ten minutes of of silence and solitude every day." And then, uh, you know, post an emoji in the group chat when you, when you've done it to just to kind of keep some accountability there. And that's mm-hmm. been cool. Like I've cool. been talking to people, people have been doing it. Um, like for me, I've been, I, I definitely wouldn't be doing it as often if I was not, um, you know, accountable to my connect group in that way. Um, so yeah, like I've just had so much stuff to journal about 
every time I've done it and it's been it's been awesome. Yeah, that's the thing is I when I was reading Dallas Willard about especially around Silence and Solitude, um, his challenge was basically that. He's like, you know, God's going to meet you there. Because I, I I have no doubt about that, right? It's kinda like he's promised to be with us in these disciplines, right? And it's like if you're faithful to show up, he's faithful to show up. And it might not be all mm-hmm. like goosebumps and, you know, touchy feelings yeah, or whatever every time, yeah. but like he's here. Right? I'm like, this is the thing is when I actually yeah. take time truly do what you're saying about like getting away, being in silent solitude, like the stuff that God reveals to me about myself and like the different like issues, maybe I'm holding on to or fears that I'm having, like just being in that space and shutting the world out and saying, Jesus, like I'm just here as kind of like mystical as it sounds. It's just so like, it's so, it's, it's so beautiful and um, mm-hmm. just like raw. Like it's actually yeah. been in those times mainly where, and this has been my experience where God has like really shown me places of, to be honest, unforgiveness and bitterness. It's oh, usually yeah. in silence and solitude where that stuff, he begins just like poking those yeah, areas. For sure. Right? Can, I, can I actually share an experience I had this past week with that? Yeah. It was really funny. So, there's this video of, of Kenneth Copeland that's going viral. On, yes, there um, is. Yeah, you've seen it. So he like he there's this reporter that comes up to him and asks him about his private jet and everything. And uh, you know, why why do you think that like they're demons on a public jet with you? Like if you were to fly uh fly on like an airline aircraft, why do you feel like there's demons in that tube? Is it because of the people? And he's like, No and then you know, he kinda got mad, but he's like, you know, our quarrel is not with flesh and blood, but with, you know, forces of evil. Like kinda quoted that that uh, Paul verse and I kind of watched that video and I kind of chuckled like I mean you know how I feel about televangelists and <laughs> prosperity gospel and all that and just like how uh, jaded I sometimes get about figures like that and here's the thing like you know he's quoting scripture when he's in that video and he's quoting it maybe not even for the right reasons but um, it just brought to mind for me that I think so much I do focus on flesh and blood and quarreling with flesh and blood and not focusing on the right things. Just, you know, I don't direct my frustration and anger in the, in the right direction a lot. It's mm-hmm. getting too frustrated at people and not like the real enemy. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, like, you, God, you're using Kenneth Copeland <laughs> to show me this. Like, Yeah. Well, actually, it's interesting because, like, my ne- the next section of Philippians, right, was with Paul, he talks about how because he's in jail, it's emboldened some people. So some are preaching Christ because um, of good intentions and others to try to hurt him. And he goes, in either case, I'm going to rejoice because Christ is being proclaimed. And his point mm-hmm. being that, like, even in bad motivation sometimes, if, if, if truth is proclaimed, God can use it, right? And in this case, you know, obviously Jesus did that for you. Yeah, yeah. It was it was uh, very, uh, yeah, it just got me. Uh-oh, Mike, what do you got going on there? Is that Siri? Yeah, my watch started going crazy a little bit. Oh, oh. it's talking to me again. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I know one for me was just like, kind of, and it's usually unexpected. I remember just sitting in my room one time. Um, and this was like, we were still in my old house. This is over a year ago. 
And like I had completely thought I was over this specific situation with this person. Um, fully, I was like, I dealt with this, whatever. And then like out of the blue, just like this eruption of God saying, you know, like I think you need to forgive this person a little more. And like I was like, no. And then like, I started weeping because I was like, oh, crap. It's true. Right. And then I had to process yeah. this out. And then, and then like almost a year later when I, again, I had sort of thought that I had, you know, dealt with it a little bit more. Um, it was actually at heart. It was actually at, um, prayer morning, a couple, uh, probably like maybe a month or two ago. Um, and, and we were, we were just sitting there and, um, I tend to be silent in those moments when you're sort of leading them and just God just like, you know what? There's, there's still this thing, you know, you've dealt with like these other areas of it, but there's still this one area of reconciliation that you need. And it was just, it's only in those times of prayer where those things truly come out. And he actually, he revealed to me why I was holding on. Um, and that was really hard because it was like super like raw. And it was like, oh, oh. I don't even want to think about that. But it's so mm-hmm. true. And actually, because of that, I ended up texting this guy where we went out for lunch and you know, just allowing God to, you know, kind of begin to repair relationships and things. And that's only to be in the the last couple years of my life, that's only really ever come out of those silent solitude moments of just shutting off the world and, you know, turning the phone off and just being with Jesus intentionally, you know, not necessarily talking, but inviting him um, and just allowing him to kind of like, I know it sounds weird, but him to kind of like just control those moments. Not that he doesn't mm-hmm. control every moment, but truly just saying like, Holy Spirit, you know, I want to give you the next 10 minutes. If you guys are doing 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Speak whatever you need. And it's, he's so faithful to do it. Like it's like, it's, it's been so good. So that's, I'm really pumped for you guys to, to be doing that. Yeah. Well, after we finish recording tonight, I'm going to, going to go do mine for the, for the evening. And then, Tomorrow is morning prayer, so I guess um, at some point I, I will actually be intentionally, you know, leading more of a silence and solitude kind of thing at morning prayer. I've, I guess I've sort of started already. Um, just kind of opened up, you know, you know, a seven to ten minute period for people just to pray. But um, I think directing more in the direction of silence and solitude will be something that I do in the coming weeks. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, shifting subjects a little bit, Mike, um, I know we're probably coming to the end of our time a little bit here, but, or maybe not, we'll see how long we talk about this. Um, there's always kind of a Twitter debate that rages on and I'll, uh, let our audience kind of figure out why this debate is happening right now. Let me just dig the tweet up for a minute. So it pertains to Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> so uh, I'll let I'll let everyone fill in why that is happening right now. But there's this quote that I saw on Twitter today. It was retweeted by Brian Zond, who tends tends to skew a bit more liberal um, theologically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I do like him like honestly quite a bit. Um, I don't know that I agree with everything he writes, but uh, you know I try to curate a feed on Twitter that is you know a lot of different voices in the Christian world. But Who he still retweeted uses Twitter. Oh man, Twitter is where it is at. Easily my favorite social media platform. I'm just not good at it. 
I probably spend too much time. I mostly read, to be honest, <laughs> but I probably spend too much time on it. I'll uh, I'll confess to that. But so he's uh, this guy quoted or origin. I don't know. You're reading church history right now. He yep. was apparently he was a um, early church father. Definitely. Yeah. Early church father and an ascetic, a theologian. He yeah. spent the first half of his career in Alexandria, and he, he wrote did. roughly 2,000 treatises on multiple branches of theology. He did get in a little bit of trouble at the end with his allegorical interpretations of Scripture, though. So, Did he? Okay. He so did. I don't I don't know much about the guy, but this is what he wrote. Lot was living in Sodom. He escapes the conflagration for this reason alone, because he opened his house to strangers. Angels entered the hospitable house. Fire entered the houses close to strangers. Origin on the sin of Sodom. So he's basically saying that the reason God destroyed Sodom was the refusal of hospitality, um, not what is, you know, people tend to narrow in specifically on the sin and the wickedness of the city in general, specifically sexual sin a lot of the time. But like is Origin's... Uh, interpretation valid? Do you see merit in that? Um, I well, I've never heard of that, but yeah. Okay. Um, usually, people quote is actually from I believe it's Ezekiel, where he's like okay. the sin of Sodom was basically their injustice and the treatment of people. Um, mm-hmm. But like that does not preclude any of the other sexual stuff as like sure because yeah. there was rape and. So mm. pretty, like even even does, a lot like yeah. offering daughters and things, and like there's just some pretty. Well, and I think that's why too that yeah. that sin does tend to get keyed in on a bit. But it does. I do feel like people are also very selective in their reading of that oh, story yeah. to be like, oh, it's only about this kind of sin. Like this is to demonstrate God's hatred of of this. Yeah, hundred um, percent. When that yeah. comes from a history, right? Of like why we've named certain sins like sodomy sodomy right like it's, yeah. it's there's yeah. a larger kind of story there but i think yeah i think we forget that the judgment on sodom and gomorrah was not strictly a a, a punishment for for sexual misdeeds um but it was a, it was a larger it was a larger story of that city a larger issue of injustice and sin and evil and evil acts Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, you can't uh, you, you can't reduce it. I don't think I think and I've actually I've actually I remember I, it was at my, our, my last church. It wasn't I haven't done it at Risen or C3. Uh, I still got used to that. Um, That's OK. I mean, it was Risen for a while. It was. Uh, but it is a sermon at my old church about this and how like, you know, the sin that Ezekiel calls out is just like purely injustice and just oppression to the poor and taking advantage of people and. And, and mm-hmm. we have to remember that, like it, that God throughout all of the Old Testament, right, was very clear on His opinion on oppression and poverty, and you know, mm-hmm. and we we even talked about that a little bit on Sunday. How like the goal of the Christian love, right, is seen in salvation and pre- preaching the gospel, but not with ignoring the call to justice and like practical care and practical flourishing. And that, and that just comes truly out of the old Testament narrative of God being the God of the fatherless and the widow. And, you know, in Isaiah, I think it's 58, 59, I think it's 58. 
where it's like just this huge indictment on religious culture that is ignorant to the poor and and mm. God like saying like like don't even fast. I don't even want your fast. I'm not listening to that because you like you abuse people. And so we have to just I think put it in the full context. Like was there like was there sexual sin that was being judged? Yeah. There was, but that is true of every culture and every time and arguably every judgment, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. because it's so part of human humanity. So I, I'm not saying origins wrong. I'm like, I, I've never even mm. heard yeah, that consider, one, yeah. but yeah. I'm like, it, it ties, I can see it, how it ties into the idea of the sins of the city. Um, I think that's probably a just as weak yeah interpretation yeah. as as other ones i think it did, it did seem to leave out a lot to me but yeah well i think it's it's just it's an it's a it's a nice reading of it right the issue yeah. is hospitality maybe that's one of them right it's kind of like yeah it's it one is, of the issues it is yeah. a justice issue like in the sense of and this people this might be weird but like like it is a just act right for a human being to treat another human being as they ought to be treated right not mm-hmm. simply a stranger uh but image bearer of god and when, and when we can to the, our ability and within our you know realms of responsibility being hospitable like we like as christians especially we're called to that like we're called to be hospitable mm-hmm. open our homes to to open our lives to people um and yeah. so it's part of it but no i, w- I would i would say that's as that is a a, a simplistic reading of that text because there definitely is a a more like justice focused sin evil focused kind of I think vision for that and I would say both kind of simple readings would be maybe not false but not the whole story mm-hmm. if that makes sense no no totally I I get that just um yeah kind of partially true but not yeah true. like it's, it's a part of it but it's not it's not all of it and and i think you can Selective. get into what and i think there's probably reasons for it that'd be the interesting thing it's like what's the greater context for that because like why would he hone in on the hospitality piece specifically yeah. like it, maybe there's something going on yeah. at his time where like it was a big issue so he was speaking to it right or you know why have certain like you know Christian traditions are really focusing on the sodomy part of it, right? Like as the <laughs> thing, right? Or mm-hmm. you know, um, when 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 we do have the Ezekiel reference, um, I want to make sure it's Ezekiel. I'm pretty sure it's Ezekiel. I, I, um, I looked it up. It is, yeah. That we're talked about the greater injustices of the city, and so you know, like it still is an example. Like I think, it, it, like you know, it's still an example for us of justice, of judgment from God. Um, you know, and that that He is both gracious and holy right and that's part of that whole story even like with abraham praying for lot right and god responding and um and so like we got we got to put that story in its greater redemptive context we always need to do that right because we do Mm -hmm. have jesus and we he he you know is the fulfillment of all of those things and so pick whatever sin you want right the fire that was cast down was cast upon christ on the cross, right? That is our gospel, right? That's the, right. The, yeah. the, the, the judgment that rains down, right? Jesus in the garden, you know, saw that justice, saw that punishment dripping blood and chose to step into that fire, right? That's our, that's our gospel now. And so 
you know, we just got to make sure that we put it in its proper place. Let it teach us what it needs to teach us about God's holiness and the requirements of humanity and, and lead us to see that, hey, if not for grace, so would I be that. Yeah. Right? If not for grace, yeah. you know, my sin would be just as full in, in its need of justice. And, you know, I think, I think that's kind of what we've lost sometimes is like when we try to not properly, you know, place some of these harder stories in the redemptive story, the greater story, we actually lose the push, like the direct line right to Jesus. And what God has done in Christ to redeem the brokenness of humanity and, and how like we look at that and think, you know, well, I'm glad I'm not like that city. Well, I am. The only difference is Mm -hmm. I get to have my fire of judgment fall on Jesus now and, and that good news, right? That covering. And, and I think we just got to make sure we put it into that story to truly begin to, New Testament, New Covenant, apply it. Yep. Well, that's a good word. Well, Mike, I uh, you got a pretty busy week ahead of you, conference-wise, don't you? I do. We are uh, I'm doing this AGC one for today and tomorrow, and then family and I are going up Thursday. So I'm coming home Wednesday night, leaving Thursday during the day, going up to Barrie. I'm actually in Orilla right now, so driving home. To drive back, back up here <laughs> uh, with, with pick, pick, pick up the family. Uh, and we're doing the C3 leadership retreat Thursday night, Friday, and Saturday. Um, Saturday during like half day. So it's going to be good. Hopefully yeah. we've, some, some of our KW peeps showed up for at least one of the sessions, if not multiple. Um, and, yeah, we're believing for a good weekend. Yeah, that's awesome. And then next week we've got the C4 conference. Next week we're going to C4 conference. Um, excited about that. I always learn a lot from from them. Um, yeah, and so, man, this is the summer of conferences. <laughs> it is. It's a lot. Actually, there's what there's the C three one in San Diego. And the San Diego is coming up in August. Which, if you yeah. want, if our church wants to go, you can still do that. Still plan it. I, uh, I actually am really thinking about it now. So it'd be cool. Well, there's we'll right talk. now. There's six of us going, um, and you know we can always increase the group. So all right, well. Something something to chew on for sure. Something to chew on. All right, Mike. Well, rest up. I'm going to rest up. I got morning prayer tomorrow. So All right, man. I'm looking forward to seeing so many people there. It's going to be awesome. It will be. Yeah. Yep. All right. Take her easy. See you later, people. <laughs>